Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Drivers, start your engines! Hit the pace car! What for? Because you hit every other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect! When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. It's him. He talks to me. He didn't slam you, he didn't bump you, he didn't nudge you, he rubbed you. And rubbing son is racing. Hey race fans, welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network and welcome to Drafting the Circuits. My name is Frank Santoroski, I'll be your host for the next hour as we talk about everything racing. Joining me in the studio, Richard Uden and Seth Eggert. Guys, what's happening? Doing well. Good, thank you. Alright, great to have you here both. So, uh, NASCAR in Phoenix over the weekend. Um... Kevin Harvick's playground, but uh, wasn't Kevin Harvick coming out on top this week? So, Seth, why don't you uh, take us through the NASCAR race a little bit? Uh, well, Joey Logano won the race, although it wasn't his to win at first. Uh, Chase Elliott dominated the early stages of the race, uh, had to pit from the lead in the second stage for a loose wheel, went a lap down, and just never was able to get back up to the lead for any length of time. Uh, Joey Logano had a, a uh, uncontrolled tire, had an uncontrolled tire penalty uh, as well. About midway th- uh, through stage two, came back from that, came back from a broken jack, and was able to hold off Kevin Harvick in overtime. It essentially boiled down to a strategy at the end. Uh, when you pitted, when you put tires on, and whether or not you stayed out at the end, Logano was able to hold off Harvick, who had, I think, seven lap fresher tires than he did, and hold off uh, Kyle Busch, who had, I think, 30 lap fresher tires than he did, for the win. Yes, we're, we're three races in, and we've seen different winners every every race here so far. Um, different manufacturers, mm. we've seen the Ford cars doing well. Um, we've seen that the Fords have been strong, you know, week in, week out. Now this is Joey's first win of the year. Or this is his second win of the year. Second. Second win of the year. So so the Ford cars are looking strong, and, and Harvick right there. So, I mean, and yet the Toyotas are, are up there, but we still having a little bit of issues here and there. They're not dominating like, uh, like we expect them to. Exactly. Uh, Kyle Busch finished third. The next tie is Toyota. You have to go all the way down to 20th for Denny Hamlin. Now, granted, Hamlin was involved in an absent in the race, as was Eric Jones and Martin Truex Jr. 
That being said, before their absence, Truex, yes, he was up there. Hamlin was right around the back in the top 10. Eric Jones was more so the top 15, top 20. Uh, Suarez, they're, granted, God Brothers is a Toyota team, but they don't have the help that JGR and Levine Family Racing has. And Christopher Bell, again, he ran into his own issues as well. So it's a mixed bag for Toyota Phoenix. They had a couple cars running well, but they only got one of their cars to actually finish well. All right. So now, now Richard, off the air, we were talking about Tyler Reddick and the good run he was having. And then, uh, you know, then the cut tire and whatnot. And, and we've talked about this before with the, uh, the team's best with the tire pressure. So let's, let's kind of delve into that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, Without knowing the facts of an individual case, it's very difficult to to, to, to question too much. But, uh, you know, the, the teams do have a habit of, of trying to run the tyre pressures as low as possible to get as much grip early on in the run. And by the time the tyres are, are uh, up to temperature, you know, you, you're, you do sacrifice wear and you do sacrifice life. But if you want to try and get that uh, short speed run, then you, you drop the tyre pressures as low as you can there. And, um, you know, you wonder if some of these failures that you're seeing are, are because of that. I mean, they... They do try and police your minimum cold temperatures, but at the end of the day, it's very hard for them to do that when they go on a car. Um, you know, NASCAR a few years ago did look at introducing a tyre pressure monitoring system, as is seen with, um, you know, in all the other major series, but the cost was such that it uh, never really came to fruition. Actually, the digital dash, which the cars all run now, that is where the tyre monitoring system is in uh installed so the cars actually have the capability of monitoring tire pressures it's just the with the number of sets of tires that the teams go through each weekend the, the actual cost of the sensors just became too high so they uh, they removed that uh, um that feature should we say um so they would never you either can't police it but um yeah i mean tyler reddick is certain he's come out there you know he's won two xfinity championships in a row he's come out there and he's really sort of um you know, putting it, you know, to Austin uh, Dillon there in the sister RCR car. And I think a lot of people did expect it. You know, it's the first time that, um, you know, Austin has been up against somebody hungry, should we say, to, to prove themselves. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, I think Austin's got to be a little bit careful. He needs to up his game this year and uh, make sure he doesn't get, uh, you know, overshadowed too much by, by Tyler Reddick's uh, performances, because so far he's been pretty strong in that car. Certainly. Now, I just want to take this question in a different way because we've talked about Goodyear and we've talked about, uh, you know, is is the problem the tires or is the problem the teams not, you know, going with the recommended pressures? We've had this discussion several times over the years, but I, I just want to kind of look forward to when we go with that, um, you know, that larger wheel and the lower profile tire. Is this something teams are still going to be able to manipulate with or is that? That new wheel and tire going to kind of really change the game when it comes to kind of playing with tire pressures. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they can do. You know, I mean, there's two, there's well, three things in NASCAR you don't touch: engines, tires, and fuel. You know, from a, a a governing body standpoint, anyway. You know, if you touch any of those things, you're you're going to get your knuckles severely wrapped. Um, so, you know, they've got to be a little bit careful there. Uh, with these new tyres, obviously, there'll be a very, very, very steep learning curve, you know, um, and it'll be 
actually, I think a lot of work will be done by the partner teams. So, you know, Chevrolet with, with Pratt & Miller, uh, Toyota with TRD and Ford with their uh, performance racing division will, um, you know, do a lot of work on the tyres and do a lot of simulation work to get a better understanding of how these tyres perform. But uh, they, they, they certainly will try and play the game and tweak things here and there and poke holes in them and do all these sort of fancy things that they've, they've done for the last 50 years. All right, now, Seth, uh, what are your thoughts on all this here conversation we're having? I think tires will still be an issue, especially tire pressure, only because the teams have always done this. And granted, I'm not trying to be a traditionalist in this sense, but you have to assume, at least at the beginning, old habits die hard. I think it will still be an issue at first, but very quickly, I believe, with the new car, uh, that will probably go away as teams encounter problems with the tires. And I don't mean the same kind of some problems that they have now. I'm saying whether it damages the wheel, damages the hub, uh, something possibly worse than what you have now, especially with the fact that they're going to be limited on the number of chassis and the number of bodies that they have for the cars. So if you damage something and you end up in the wall, it could easily affect either the next race or two races mm-hmm. down the road instead of uh, half a season later. Yeah, I mean, the interesting thing on the new tyres is because they're a low, low profile, there's a lot less compliance in the wall of the tyre. So if you were to actually look at the way the dynamics of the tyre works, the actual wheel rim will roll around the tyre. So, you know, if you look at a conventional tyre, it's sat there with the rim and the, the, the wall of the tyre, the amount that it moves and deforms on a current tire is about 15 inch rims. I think they are. It's huge. Well, I think the rolling radius is going to stay the same. Our rolling circumference is going to stay, stay the same on tire, but they're going to an 18 inch rim. So you're losing what an inch and a half of tire wall on each, you know, in each radius. So you're losing a huge amount of compliance there and the tires are going to be a lot, lot stiffer. So it'll be really interesting to see. And this could be partly why the drivers are saying that the, Cars a lot twitchier to drive because the the tire is absorbing a lot less of the energy through the sidewalls potentially. Now we've seen these sort of type tires in like Pirelli World Cup and some other sports car racing, and well now now just because I I just am a little ignorant I guess does Goodyear produce a tire like this in any other racing series or or are they are they kind of a, a bit uncharted here because I know that the, you know Michelin is out there and and Pirelli's out there and Bridgestone's out there working with this sort of tire in, in different series and whatnot but does Goodyear have anything like that on their slate of uh, professional auto racing I don't think so uh well I'm going to pose the question outside NASCAR uh what racing series today still uses Goodyear? Ah, uh, yeah. that's a good question. Exactly. Uh, I I mean, there, there, there might be some off-road trucks that use Goodyear, and, and I don't mean the major off-road truck teams, uh, but possibly some of the ones that run, say, the Car or uh, the Baja One Thousand. Outside of that, I. Don't know of any. Do they still use Goodyear's in like the uh, NHRA? I believe, although there's nothing to, from that tire that's transferable to NASCAR. They they, they do there. Yeah, do yeah. There. I was gonna say yeah, they're still involved there, but that there's nothing transferable from those giant balloon tires that they'll be able to put into a stock car. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. No, so I don't know. I can't think of anybody. 
I just, I just, you know, I just, oh, I, I just, you know, I, I've openly wondered for a couple of years if, if one day NASCAR will go with a different tire manufacturer. Uh, hey, the, I, the, uh, uh, the, uh, the European Le Mans series uses t- uh, Goodyear. Okay, all right, so there's that. So, but yeah, like, uh, like I said, because uh, there, there have been so many complaints about tires, and I think. You know, to the point, I think sometimes the teams are doing some, oh, so, something. Also something British, some, sorry, also the British Touring Car Championship. There you go. Oh, there you sorry. go. All right, so BTC. Um, but yeah. but there have been a lot of complaints from drivers about the tires in, in certain races here. And, you know, and I think some of, you know, we've talked about it before. Some of it is, in fact, the teams messing with the, the recommendations and whatnot. But, but I've always kind of felt like the relationship with uh, – NASCAR and Goodyear was uneasy at best at times because the drivers are so quick to throw Goodyear under the bus, uh, particularly, you know. Kevin Stewart? Yeah. Kevin Tony, Tony Stewart. Yeah, particularly <laughs> Tony Stewart. Yeah, for the, some of the more vocal guys, we'll throw Goodyear right under the bus. When you don't hear that a lot from the other racing series. So, I mean, this is a conversation we can have for a little bit. But, I mean, do you ever envision a day where, where NASCAR looks outside of Goodyear for another partner in particular since we're using a, a whole different tire well i think well, they was... just signed a extension but i will say if goodyear is ever bought out or merges with another company i wouldn't be surprised uh the main reason why i'm thinking more in that uh vein so to speak is because there really isn't much competition anymore no. uh yes you have firestone and you have bridgestone but they're one the same you have michelin outside that in the u.s there aren't many that are really advertised pirelli pirelli to to a degree but it depends on where you are uh in the country next in um, continental Coop, continental cooper tire but again oh. some of the, some of those to a certain point are firestone I said Firestone, okay, but some of those to a certain point, some of those to a certain point are advertised more regionally than nationally. Uh, for example, Toil Tire is more out west, uh, some uh, with uh, off road trucks, drifting, etc. Outside that, uh, Toil Tire, I don't see anywhere else. I don't see it advertised anywhere. Uh, whether it was when I lived in New Jersey, whether it's now here in North Carolina, there's some that are only in certain areas to a degree. To a degree, yeah. I, I want to say there's a Toyota Tire place right here near my hometown in Kentucky. Uh, but but again, then you've got all these other brands that are just there, and those are the off-the-shelf brands for your streetcar, like Nexon and, and you know those other ones. And they're not really looking to make a name in racing. They're just looking to sell you a, you know, a decent quality tire at a value price. So, I don't know. It's uh, it's just an interesting thought. I mean, I am when it comes to tire wars in racing, I'm not a fan. Not a fan at all. I'm a. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Big fan of having one tire manufacturer across uh, an entire series. We've seen, you know, tire wars that have gone okay, and we've seen tire wars that have gone very poorly. Uh, you know, the, the NASCAR Hoosier one is well documented. The um, the uh, Formula One Grand Prix, where all the Michelin runners pulled in the pits at the U.S. Grand Prix and uh, decided not to race due to the Michelin tires, uh, was another big black eye. So, um, and even IndyCar had Goodyear and Firestone in there for a while, and the Firestone, you know, outperformed the Goodyear so much that Goodyear walked away from the series. So, I'm not a fan of tire wars just from the safety point of view, but uh, I just I just can't help thinking, like I said, that the relationship with NASCAR and Goodyear is, it, it's kind of a love-hate relationship. You agree? Disagree? I, I would agree. I think uh, I- I think they tolerate each other, don't they? That's that's a good way to put it. I like that. All right. So other than Joey Logano winning and Kevin Harvick finishing, what other? What did you feel about the quality racing at Phoenix with the the package that they they put on there? Was was the show good? It was a good show. Uh, you could actually pass. It wasn't slot car racing uh, to quote uh, Matt Weaver of All the Week anymore. Uh, it was actual racing. You could actually move up through the field. Uh, Logano, like I said, had to start from the rear because of a uh, uncontrolled tire penalty. He was able to drive his way back up from 25th to the lead. Chase Elliott, who had the loose wheel, uh, drove back up to virtually the lead lap under green, uh, was in the free pass position when the caution wave, literally right behind the leader, and then restarted 28th and was able to work his way back up to battle for the lead, uh, ultimately fading to seventh. But you could actually move through the field. You were not stuck where you were. Do you think that was – so here's a question. Do you think how much of that was the, the uh, package they had and how much of that was the uh, sticky substance they put on the outside of uh, turns well, – or the, the turns – PJ1 or whatever it's called. I don't know. Uh, traction compound is what it's yeah. called officially now. Um, honestly, I'd say it's more the package. And the reason why I'm saying yeah. that, uh, about 80 to 90% of the field was driving consistently below the traction compound. Yeah. So if you only have about 10 to 20% using the uh, traction compound, I wouldn't put as much weight on that this time around. Uh, essentially, it moved maybe the groove in uh, turns one and two up a lane, but it didn't affect the track overall. All right, so uh, interesting way to put that there. It's it's either one or the other. So, uh, Seth, what um, 
support series do we have running in Phoenix? Uh, we had the Xfinity series and we had the Arca series. Uh, for the Xfinity series, Brandon Jones pulled off the upset, beating Kyle Busch uh, for the victory, uh, both out of the Joe Gibbs stable. Harrison Burton, also from Gibbs, finished second. Kyle Busch finished a distant third. Uh, Bush was running essentially the R&D team. Uh, Pre-race, he actually admitted the last time that entire team had run a car uh, together in the format that they were together was when Tony Stewart was running for Joe Gibbs Racing. So that is a 12-year-old team uh, getting the band back together, so to speak. Uh, Brad Keselowski was in the race, too. Uh, He finished fourth. Otherwise... The more notable incident might have been between Brandon Brown and Dylan Bassett, or I should say the Bassett brothers post-race. During the race, the two had a racing incident. Uh, Both ended up finishing the race. On pit road, Dylan Bassett got out of the car uh, on pit road, proceeded to take Brandon Brown's window net down and start punching Brandon before he had even come to a stop. As NASCAR officials pulled Dylan Bassett away, his brother Ronnie Bassett Jr. joined in. Oh, good grief. And after that, their father, Ronnie Bassett Sr., joined in. Oh. So what was the total amount of the fines given out then? Uh, <laughs> well, we're recording on Monday, and penalties are not announced until Wednesday, so unfortunately you won't hear that here. Well, I'm, uh, I'm sure whatever it is is going to be, you know... Not good. Uh, not good for those involved there. Yeah. So. Uh, well, maybe you just for Brown because he 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 had his helmet on the entire time, so I'm not sure how many of the punches actually landed, and he was still in the car. That is the most stupid <laughs> thing in the world when somebody punches a driver with his helmet on. I mean, just well, my thing is, budget. Well, my thing is, I don't mind that right now. The fact that Brandon Brown was still rolling on pit road because he hadn't gotten to a position to actually stop is my issue that they were punching him while he was driving. So speaking of crazy racing incidents, okay, I saw a video earlier today, and I don't know if you saw the same one. It was at a a local short track somewhere. Citrus County Speedway. Yeah, so um, (laughs) as they're going to the restart, this one car gets airborne and flips over the – Feds onto the pit lane and lands squarely on top of the pace car after the pace car had had come and stopped on pit lane. So, uh, how often do you see that? <laughs> Not often, uh, and I will say the way it got airborne, it hit a dirt mound that protects a light pole. Uh, there are several tracks that use that method. Uh, Oxford Speedway uh, comes to mind up in the Northeast, and. It's probably going to be something that they reevaluate almost definitely. Uh, it was essentially the worst case scenario that they never dreamed of happening happened. Uh, 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 he hit the pace car. Uh, I guess the crew chief's happy for a change. I, he landed on the pace car. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? Right. It's like the whole hit the pace car, you know, it brings up uh, days of thunder, of course. It, Go out there and hit the this. pace car. So, yeah, but that's just one of those, some of those, um, uh, you know, you, you get on YouTube and you see these um, 
that local. And a lot of times you'll see some really crazy stuff in some of these um, the winged sprint cars and whatnot. But that was something I'd never seen before where it just planted that landing right on top of the pace car. So was anybody hurt? Not to my knowledge. Well, that's 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 very good. So, all right. So where 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 are we off to next in NASCAR? Atlanta Motor Speedway. And Seth, you're uh, you're heading down there to cover the race for kicking the tires, correct? Uh, I am planning to. Yes. Okay. So let's let's talk about Atlanta. We're we're a little later in in you know a few weeks later than we're than we're used to having Atlanta. Uh, the, it's generally cold there in Atlanta, so that it's. Uh, do you think the uh, the few weeks later and the you know the promise of some warmer temperatures will maybe uh, improve the quality of racing and maybe improve the uh, amount of spectators in the stands? The quality of racing, yes. Uh, on normal race weekend, I would say the number of spectators, yes. I'm honestly not sure what we'll have because of the current uh, virus situation going on. Uh, across the world, let alone the country. Uh, whether or not that uh, does affect the NASCAR crowd, we won't know until the race weekend itself. Uh, and the main reason why I'm saying this, and we'll get to this a little later in the show, uh, the F1 Grand Prix in Bahrain uh, will not have any spectators, and that's because of the virus and the precautionary measures. Whether or not NASCAR would do that or... NASCAR would be forced to do that uh, remains to be seen. Okay, so well, you went ahead and opened up the can of worms that we was going to keep closed for a while. So, Richard, let's talk about this then, okay? This is uh, unprecedented in Formula 1. Formula 1 generally has massive amounts of spectators. You know, mm-hmm. some, some, some... Some of the races are just, uh, you know, like if you, if you look at Hungary or, or some of these other races or Monza, there are just throngs and throngs and throngs of people yep. there. Uh, so now we're going to have, for the first time ever, a Grand Prix with no spectators. Um, now, yeah. now the FIA is fine, I'm sure, because and, and Liberty is fine because well they've got their sanction fee. But this really puts a, a hurting on the promoter because now they've got to refund all that oh. ticket money. Well, uh, you'd like to think that with the uh, infl- you know, with the, with the, the clout of, of the FIA and the like, they could probably come to some sort of agreement with the Bahrainian authorities to sort of lessen the impact um, that obviously they're going to feel because it will be a big hit. You know, I mean, there's, I don't know. I mean, Bahrain's not always the most well-attended race, but it's certainly um, you know pretty pretty big. Yeah, but, but each, so, each, um, each ticket is not cheap. So now, oh, so now, now we're, we're talking about yeah, no, sure. issuing refunds. Well, we're talking tens of millions of dollars without any hesitation. Yeah, I was going to say, but we're talking about but, uh, issuing refunds on money that's that's largely been probably spent. put put back and spent. Yeah, so this yeah, is exactly. this is the kind of thing that this is the kind of thing that could bankrupt a promoter. Correct. Well, you see, well, it's all it's all controlled by the Bahrainian government. Uh, so there's every you know, it's not it's not like a Silverstone that's a privately held entity. So in, the chances are that the Bahrainian government will be able to, you know, suck that one up um, and, and, and put it down as, you know, whatever. Um, you know, they've probably got some sort of insurance uh, set up as well there. But I mean, it'll be, be a strange race to watch. I mean, Bahrain doesn't have, you know, grandstands everywhere. I mean, you've got the big grandstands down the front stretch. 
and you know around turn one but then once you get onto the sort of infield area it's sort of pretty desolate and deserty so i don't think it's going to make a huge difference from a spectator you know from a spectacle point of view from the driving standpoint but obviously it's a shame because you know there are people out there who spent good hard-earned money to go and uh, go and see this and uh, yeah they'll get a refund but it's it's not the same no it's not the same and who knows how long it'll take to process those refunds too you know, well, so yeah. and that's so the, the the race will go on, yeah, without spectators. And then we've had, you know, in the racing world, and this, you know, uh, coronavirus um, has affected a lot of things. I mean, the NBA is talking about possibly playing to uh, empty stadiums. The uh, Olympics are possibly in jeopardy. Uh, they've canceled this huge music fest down in Austin, Texas, uh, which brings me to the next kind of thing there the city of austin texas has put a ban on large gatherings through may 1st now the indycar race at coda falls in april so now i don't know if if this race is in jeopardy or if we're going to try to run an indycar race with no spectators or uh you know they because they said with exceptions so and and here's here's the thing there the the Coda is not necessarily in the Austin city limits, but they do fall in what they call the extraterritorial jurisdiction. So they can kind of, uh, you know, pull that card and say, so I haven't heard any statement from IndyCar. Uh, what's going to happen with the, the, the race in Coda? Uh, I know they just had, they just had the, uh, the sports cars out there in Coda, the, um, the uh, Bob Punk World Challenge was out there this past weekend, put on a nice show. Uh, so this is something, a developing story we'll have to watch. It's good, like you said, it's a developing story. Uh, whether or not it affects NASCAR, IndyCar, uh, any of the major races, it's still uh, to be determined. Uh, each state, and I don't mean just in the U.S., but each country is handling it differently. Uh, like, I'm sure anyone who's listening to this by now or when this goes live, that Italy is under the entire country of Italy is under uh, essentially a lockdown with certain exceptions. Those exceptions being in in the world of motorsports anyway, uh, the F1 teams and Pirelli employees that are based in Italy. Otherwise, at least here in the U.S., it's a status quo unless you're in certain areas. Uh, there are some states that are under uh, states of emergency. So just do your best to stay safe. And if you do go to any of these events, uh, be careful. Well, certainly, yeah, that goes without saying. But it's just so funny how the public reaction ranges from, oh, my God, don't leave your house, to... Wash your hands, you'll be fine. You know what I mean? It's well, <laughs> you know, it just the, the the spectrum of of information versus misinformation is incredible. Which uh, I'm not going to get on my soapbox from before the show. There are some reasons for it, which uh, whether it's social media, whether it's uh, word of mouth, whether it's different apps, there's a lot of stuff like that as well. Uh, that being said. Uh, essentially it is meant to mitigate all of this which hopefully it does and then hopefully we can get back to racing 
that being said, as of right now, uh, NASCAR is unaffected. Whether or not that changes by the time this show goes live or next week, uh, again, only time will tell. Yeah, and again, like IndyCar, their last statement said they don't expect any disruptions in their schedule. But then this news from the city of Austin, Texas, uh, maybe maybe threatens to put a kink in that plan there. So, um, I mean, e- either way, you know, Indianapolis 500 tickets were mailed out, and that's that's one of the largest mass gatherings in the in the country. So, hopefully, that'll all go off without a hitch, and and that's a few months from now. But anyway, I don't want to belabor our racing show with a uh, with the talk about. Um, the coronavirus. So let's uh, let's talk about the upcoming Formula One race, uh, which will be held in Australia. So Richard, sure. let, back at it, boys. Back, back at, at it, it, boys. Yep. So uh, yep. What do you what do you think, man? Hamilton again? I mean, the Mercedes did look strong. Hard, hard not know, to say so that, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it's as you say, it's, it is hard to to sort of pass those guys over and. Uh, and think it could be somebody else, but um, yeah, I think they're uh, they're going to go there. They'll do the business, and um, you know, unless unless the likes of Ferrari and uh, um, Red Bull have been sandbagging, but uh, I can't see it. You know, with such limited testing this year, I don't think any team is going to sandbag. I think that you know you saw pretty much their real performance. I think you're going to see an order along the lines of Mercedes, Red Bull. Excuse me, Ferrari and um, uh, uh, McLaren being fourth and Renault being fifth, I think. But that whole midfield, you know, in a way, you almost want to ditch the top six cars and and watch the second championship because that's going to be as entertaining as anything. Yeah, I think uh, Racing Point has really kind of uh, got 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 some good yeah, things going I on. They've got, they've got some additional yeah. finances in there. Yeah. I think I think Renault is much improved, and, and they've got Ricardo there, who we know is talented, and I think McLaren is very much improved, and they've got their their guns behind the wheel are solid. Yeah. No, I think it's going to be an interesting uh, interesting that midfield battle. Uh, you know, so probably more so than uh, the top six. Let them fight it out for themselves, and uh, let everybody else do their business. Now, if I recall, last year's Australian Grand Prix was quite a good race from from lap one uh, all the way on through yeah i mean it, it does tend to produce a pretty good race out there you know they you know it's a good track it's got uh you know it's a little bit different from what you see in barcelona so you know a lot of the work that the teams have done in pre-season they're having to take a bit of a um a bit of a guess at when you go out to uh, to melbourne but uh it, it, you do genuinely have some pretty good races out there so uh, yeah it's always a good one to look forward to see now i want to backtrack to your comment about sandbagging because there's mm-hmm. every every year during pre-testing you know pre-season testing we, we talk about team sandbagging right and, and you hear it in across different racing series you know or sometimes you hear you know an indycar team penske been sandbagging right um, mm-hmm. Ferrari been sandbagging. Does sandbagging really exist in racing? Oh yeah. yeah. I, I mean, does it yeah. does it still exist with all the limited testing that we have this day and age? Right. Not as much. Um, you know, you're quite right. Not as much so. But I think what you do see is that teams certainly try and avoid showing their true potential because it detracts attention from them. 
you know, Ferrari went out there and were, you see, last year you saw it, I think, more than any, you know, Mercedes just stuck to their plan for pre-season testing. Uh, and everybody thought Mercedes, Ferrari by were by far and away the fastest car going into Melbourne. And, and they certainly were on the basis of pre-season testing. But then comes to the actual race. It was Mercedes that uh, dominated. And it took Ferrari a good, you know, until probably until halfway through the season to, to really get back on level terms. With Mercedes there, so um, you you do see it a little bit. I think less and less so with the uh, limited preseason testing. But um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, there was a time when you when you could do all the testing you wanted behind closed doors with nobody there. Oh, yeah. You know, it was good fun. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, God, there was uh, there were times where there were you know they did testing with no track marshals there. I mean, oh God, yeah, yeah. I mean, Elio DeAngelis would be alive today if. Uh, <laughs> if they uh, had rules in place then, but I mean, you were... well, yeah. Thankfully, we've come on a long way since then. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah. So there's no, or the, or the one, uh, you know, the Lotus, Lotus would show up with a new car that nobody's even seen. Exactly. You know, it's great, so. wasn't it? It's was great. Yeah, they just, <laughs> what's this? And you know, and they, oh, nothing. But we'll win the next seven races. So. Yeah. <laughs> So I mean, yeah, those those days are long gone. That you know, there's more, there there's a lot more transparency. So that's why it's, sometimes I believe that the sandbagging, when people call it sandbagging, is not necessarily sandbagging. I think that that there are, and, and I'll I'll allude this to IndyCar, where you've got uh, some teams are going all out to see what they can do. Like like for instance, you know, who was fastest at the last IndyCar test at Sebring? Carlin, both days, right? I, yeah. I think Carlin is working on everything they can. I, I think some of the the other teams, like like the Penskys and the Andrettis and the Ganassis of the world, are testing smaller bits on their car, so they're not really looking to top that session. They're looking mm-hmm. to gather data. Oh yeah. So and and if you and maybe you can call it sandbag because they didn't go out and try to run the fastest lap they can, but they're trying to gather data. And they're working to a program. Exactly, exactly. They're working on a race setup, and and not simply yeah. trying to see. You don't get, you don't hand out trophies for pre-season testing. Nope, nope, nobody. You may hand out sponsorship money. <laughs> yeah, true, true. Yeah. Anything. So, and and you know, to your point, it's the guys that could use the sponsorship money, money that are doing well in the pre-season testing. Like you know, I mean, probably the most famous one from a Formula One standpoint was the old Prost team in the early two thousands when. They went to pre-season testing. They were like a second a lap faster than anybody else. And everybody thought, wow, they must have created a great car. And all they were doing was running massively, massively underweight, just trying to get sponsors on board because they didn't have any money. And then when they got to the first race of the season, they were like 15th or something. Right, because there's no tech inspection in pre-season testing. No, you can do whatever you like. Whatever you like, yep, yep. Nifty. The only thing they have to do is safety levels. They have to have certain safety requirements. They do they have to make. They do now, yep. Yep, so. All right, so the uh, IndyCar season is underway this weekend as well with the Grand Prix of St. Pete. Um, everything is scheduled to go on. Looks like we're going to have 26 cars on the grid. Uh, maybe 27. Um, the, the the one wild card is the second Carlin car at this point. I'm sure since we're taping today and we're going to air the show Thursday, the driver will be announced in between. But the um, the you know the, of the first <laughs> of course the the first Carlin car is going to be uh, Max Chilton. The second Carlin car will be either Philippe Nasser or uh, Camara. Um, 
so one of those guys is going to get that. My my thought is going to be Nasser. Uh, but uh, Nasser would be a great addition to the IndyCar series, but although they haven't really, Carlin really hasn't released the details of who's driving what. But um, now, Richard, you're familiar with uh, with Nasser, right? Yes, yes. I uh, he had to uh, when I was working for Williams, he was our test driver, and when he came to do his seat fit, he had to get changed in my office, and nobody told me, and I walked in on him getting changed. <laughs> Okay, well, I didn't know you knew that much about him, but <laughs> I was I was referring to his skills behind the wheel. <laughs> oh, okay. no, I don't know anything about that. Okay, so uh, either way, I think I think he'll be a good addition to the series. And the interesting thing is, somebody pointed out today, I I had read this uh, with um, Tony Kanaan doing a part-time schedule, and Matthias Leist is out of a ride this year. This will be the first season in IndyCar since 1984 that there's not a full-time driver from brazil in the series isn't that wild That's crazy yeah because when you think about it some of the some of the best drivers in the in the series over the years were from brazil you know mm-hmm. when you think about say you know fittipaldi was in there and elio castro neves uh, you know yeah. Yeah. Ruben. Ruben Barrichello was there for a season. Yeah. Uh, Mauricio Guzelman. <laughs> yeah, he had all these all these great Brazilians. He had a big influx of guys from Brazil, and it's just kind of weird that it's like, oh, okay, well, and not one full time Brazilian. Hmm. So you know, you know, I guess the more races Nasser gets, the better <laughs> to wave the flag for Brazil. But I thought that was a really interesting statistic. So anyway, so we're on to St. Pete. St. Pete has been the stomping ground of Penske for almost as long as that race has been around. You know, other than the you know the last two were uh, Sebastian Bourdais won, but uh, these guys are always strong there. Um, Penske now owns a series. Looking up to uh, you know it's it's the the field is so ultra competitive. Uh, I mean I. Read a lot of social media stuff on oh can Joseph Newgarden go back to back and Simon win the championship can Will Power come back in the championship will Rossi win the championship will Dixon get his sixth I, I just think that we're we're onto a really great season of IndyCar this year and the big game changer is the aero screen right it's it's going to change the handling handling characteristics of the car somewhat uh, whoever gets that whoever gets that right out of the box is going to be sitting in the catbird seat. Now, Richard said, I don't know how. Okay, go ahead. I don't know how. It's a pretty aero-neutral part of the car in reality. Yeah, but it adds, but it adds, it adds, it adds some weight to the front part of the car, so it kind of changes the balance. Am I incorrect? Because it's where the driver sits. It's pretty much around the center of gravity of the car, I think. It may raise the center of gravity. It, I don't think it'll shift it laterally, which is where your issue comes when you're dealing with brake bias and handling and, and the like. Raising it vertically may have a little impact on it, but minimal. Um, and these cars are probably running quite a bit of ballast anyway, so it probably doesn't affect it massively. And in terms of um, you know the overall performance, uh, yeah. Minimal, I think. Minimal. And because it's the same for everybody, 
if anything, what it may do actually is actually give the car a little bit more downforce because it's a, 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 a nice clean curved surface. It'll push more air over the rear wing and it'll hold it tighter to the, the engine cover. Whereas when it was just a driver's head, there was a lot of relatively sharp, blunt objects, which will disrupt the air a little bit more as it's going over the helmet and the cockpit area. And also in the cockpit creates a negative pressure. So um, you may see it actually increase the downforce a little bit. Okay, now, Seth, I'm going to throw this to you. Uh, <laughs> I knew that could be your answer, yeah. Because Richard is so brilliant compared to you and I when it comes to these engineering things. Whoa. So whoa, whoa, no, I whoa. said no, I said what it com- compared to Seth and I. I didn't say overall. <laughs> <laughs> Richard, I love you, man. No, Seth, what what what, what are your what are your thoughts on the IndyCar season over? I know I I know you're 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 a well seeped NASCAR guy, but I know you do enjoy watching uh, IndyCar races occasionally, and and you watch them with great interest. So, well, what are your thoughts about the you know the 2020 IndyCar season, and and you know, are you excited about? It? I'm excited about this season. I uh, am. I am. I am excited about it. Uh, not just because of some of the various changes that they have done, or some of the uh, races that are coming up. I mean, we're starting off at long at uh, St. Petersburg, correct? That is correct. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited because I'm interested to see who races. And I mean, throughout the entire year, because uh, if I remember correctly, Jimmy Johnson announced he's going to be running a test uh, with McLaren, I think uh, April, April 6th. Tw- thank you. Uh, so it, I'm curious to see if he runs this year or if he's testing in advance for next year. Uh, well, my thought is that he's, in, in advance for next year, because I mean, his calendar is pretty darn full. You running think. running NASCAR, yeah, but I mean, you think, but I'm pretty sure there's one weekend this year, uh, at least one this year, in which uh, the Cup Series is off, which is typically the weekend that uh, trucks are in Canada, Xfinity's in Road America. And I think that is the same weekend. Uh, I may be have my dates mixed up a little bit. But I think that's the same weekend IndyCar typically is in mid-Ohio. And Jimmy Johnson has said he's interested in running a road course. So, so that would it, fall right up his alley. Whether or not they decide to put him in that car is, I guess, it, you know, it's all, it all depends on how this test goes. Uh, the funny thing is, I think Jimmy said on Twitter the other day, he goes, he goes there's a chance that I won't like it. But that chance is really small. Oh, he's going to be like he's going to be grinning like a uh, child. Yeah, I think I think he, I think he's going to get in that car and say, "Wow." Some something tells me he did that just in case, uh, so that way, if for whatever reason it falls through or if it doesn't work, uh, that not that he has an out, so to speak, but that the option is there. Exactly, yeah. So, but, but this is a story that has grown huge legs. Jimmy is testing the, the number one. The um, you know they they bought the rights to put the number forty eight on the car. They bought the number forty eight from the Dry Rainbow team, who owns the number forty eight. So, can we use this 
for in IndyCar races going forward. So I don't know what they paid for it. Dryden Reibold needs money. They probably got it on the cheap. So the number 48 now belongs to, you know, Arrow McLaren with the thought of putting it on a, a Jimmy Johnson car. What, are they going to use it this year? I don't know, but they've got it right now. So this is this is really a developing story, and it's got it's got some some fans divided, right? There, there are some fans that say, well, you know, why is he doing a road course? Why isn't he doing the Indy 500? Well, I mean, he doesn't. He he's sad. Jimmy said, I, I really have no interest in ovals after my NASCAR career is over. Right, so no, but his NASCAR career isn't over yet. It's not over. Uh, it's not over yet. Yep. Uh, there you go. <laughs> well, he won't. He won't be at Indy this year. That's for, that's for sure. But he may be. Uh, then, then there's another thought that maybe he's the the arrow screen has softened the idea of doing the Indy 500. Uh, again, Jimmy said something else on Twitter. He said, "Yes, yeah, the Indy 500 is hard to say no to, but." But uh, but uh, at this point, I don't want to do any ovals. So we'll just have to see how that plays out. Now, Seth, I think, Seth, Seth. I think he'd do it. If he had, if he used to could be big enough carrot on business. And also, if he wants to do it, he's he's like Alonso. He's the name like Alonso. If he wants to do it, he'll do it. The reason Alonso hasn't done a full IndyCar season isn't because nobody wants him. It's because he doesn't want to do it. If Jimmy Johnson wants to run a full-time IndyCar schedule or just, or just the road courses or just the 500... Somebody will do it. Well, certainly, and Jimmy could bring some backers to the table too, as well. Sure. Yeah. So Seth, uh, more and more on Jimmy Johnson in IndyCar because we, we saw him in the in a simulator just having the best time that he put on his Twitter. Yeah. It, 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 again, it's something like we've always said uh, it, because he's said it multiple times. He doesn't want to run fast ovals. They just got the number forty-eight. Everything's lined up for him to make a run at it at least once whether or not that happens this year or next year where it happens if uh, he reneges on the no fast ovals or his definition of no fast ovals uh because so, so it'd be funny if you beat if you wouldn't beat alonso wouldn't it <laughs> <laughs> well oh, where i'm boy. well where i'm going with the definition of no fast ovals that might just mean not a fast oval in the sense of Texas Motor Speedway compared to maybe Iowa Speedway or Richmond Raceway. Yeah, because granted, they're still fast, but they're not pack racing fast. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, even the small IndyCar ovals are fast. So, we'll just have to see that plays. I, I think we'll see Jimmy in an IndyCar and in an Arrow, Arrow McLaren IndyCar, um, maybe not this year, but next year for sure. I think he's gonna, uh, he's gonna do it. He's he's gonna run a race. And but this, the test, the test at Barber is gonna draw a lot of eyes. There's gonna be a lot of people watching that. Isn't that where um, Brad Keselowski tested at Penske a few years ago? Uh, too slow, according to all reports. Uh, no, I think Brad tested a. At Road America. Okay, but from what I can remember, he wasn't—he didn't exactly light up the timing screens, did he? Well, he only—he only ran a couple laps. I want to say he only ran like 24 laps. It was just—it really wasn't a, a full test so much as just like, okay. hey, can I try this out? You know, it seems a lot of work for just a few laps, doesn't it? 
Yeah, but then, then nothing ever became of it either. So, and I, Brad's another guy I'd like to see give an IndyCar a shot. And, of course, the other one, Kyle Larson, as everyone said. Oh, They'd lo- yeah. love to see Kyle Larson in the Indy 500. And Kyle would love to do it. Chip just not quite ready to let him do it yet. So. Yeah. Well, he may not have a choice by the end of the year because, from my understanding, Larson's contract's up at the end of this season with Ganassi, isn't it? Seth will probably know that. Uh, Larson's is, Kozlowski's is, over at uh, Penske. So there's a number of different people who might replace Jimmy Johnson. Uh, Most people are thinking Larson, although I've said from day one, I think I even said on the show, that I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Rick Hendrick gets the driver he let go because he didn't have any room at the stable to Penske about 10 years ago now, as a matter of fact, and that is uh, Brad Kozlowski. I don't, personally, I don't, I, I could see Kyle Larson jumping shit from Ganassi yeah. because Ganassi's uh, uh, NASCAR operation is just not on par with, uh, with some of the top guys in NASCAR. But I, I can't see... Brad walking away from Team Pansky. I can't see anybody walking away from Team Pansky that's not escorted out the door. Who's the last guy that quit Pansky in NASCAR or IndyCar? You can make an argument, Kurt Busch. Uh, did he quit or was he just <laughs> giving a better deal? I, I don't know. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, the, you're, you're going, you're, you're going way back to when that's back when it was called Pensky South, and I believe Rusty Wallace was still part owner of it. No, uh, it was Penske Racing South, but uh, Kurt Busch, uh, he didn't go anywhere better. He went from Team Penske to James Finch's Phoenix Racing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Forgot about that one. But, but uh, again, like, who's who's the last guy that quit Penske that wasn't pushed out the door? Say, I mean, think about it, you know, so you're, that's... Maybe Jeremy Mayfield? Maybe, maybe. Otherwise, the only one I could think of is maybe Sam Horns Jr. because uh, they weren't going to bring him back up to cup full-time. Right, but, see, but then again, that's getting him kind of pushed out. We don't have a cup ride for you. Yeah. So, yeah, like, like I said, I, I don't I don't see Brad walking away from Team Penske. But but then again, you know, I don't I don't know Brad as well as you do. But but it seems to me that he, even though his a, his wins are fewer and farther between, uh, he's still competitive week in and week out, and 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 I believe like he feels part of the family there. So until Penske farms him out to sports cars like he does with the uh, you know Montoya and the Castro Nevises of the world, I, I don't see Brad walking away from Penske to hop in a Hendrick car. Uh, that's just that's just my thought, but yeah, that dynamic's a pretty good dynamic with uh, you know the setup they've got there, isn't it? It, it? it seems to they seem to gel pretty well. You never hear any murmurings coming out of the team, do you? You know that seems a pretty tight ship, and uh, you know they're always there. You know they're always going to be uh, uh, you know there or thereabouts, aren't they? At the end of the season, so why? I mean, what, what you look at. You know, Penske's performance over the last three or four years compared to Hendrick's performance over the last three or four years. I mean, you're, you're comparing apples to apples, aren't you, really? I mean, why move? 
Yeah, but Kyle Lark, but Kyle Larson hopping into a Hendrick car. Oh, I can it, see that. Th- that's a, that's a step up. That's a step up well, from where he's at. As much as much as it would be a step up, the other thing we have to take into account is Kyle's extracurricular activity in the sprint car. Uh, if we remember Casey Kane, not not more than about five years ago, after he had a crash in which he flipped out of the track, uh, Rick Hendrick essentially uh, gave him a warning and he didn't do as much sprint car racing. And because he wasn't doing as much racing outside of NASCAR, uh, his performance in NASCAR to a certain point suffered at or around the same time. Uh The same analogy can be used if you look at Kyle Busch when the one year he did not do any uh, Xfinity or Truck Series racing, he just flat out sucked in cup. And then since then, he's gone back to running Xfinity and Truck, but he's been limited by NASCAR as to how many races he can run. So he's gone and done the Rolex 24 and he's doing some other extracurricular racing and he's running well, winning races, and just won the championship last year. Yes, I yes, mean, he did. Like, but again, you know, if you 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 know, Kyle Larson, I know you say he does like to do the chili bowl and snow bowl or whatever. All these other things, I don't know. They're probably college football games for all I know. Uh, <laughs> uh, but you know, you you know, Rick Hendrick comes knocking on your door. You you sit and take note, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, it's hard I, to turn him down. Yeah, yeah. And who else does Hendrick have come through the ranks? You know, it's not like there's a William Byron or an Alex Bowman or you know one of these young kids coming through like well, they have in the previous years. You have Noah Gregson. Uh, but he's that uh, Yeah. That's about it. Right now. Uh, I mean, unless he gets somebody from outside of the Hendrick orbit, so to speak. Uh, that would be a Kyle Larson or a Brad Keselowski, or it could even be a Ross Chastain, uh, Corey LaJoy. Uh, there's a number of drivers, because Hendrick also has a habit of bringing drivers in from outside the orbit, not just, say, when they grabbed William Byron from KBM and put him in JRM equipment, but just in general, uh, if you look back through their through Hendrick's histories, uh, he got Jeff Gordon from Bill Davis. He yeah. got Jeffrey Bodine from the Northeast. He got Ricky Craven from, I believe it was uh, Andy Petrie. Uh, he got Joe Nemechek from Andy Petrie. He well, got, so, I mean, the list goes on and on. So here's, so here's one. I mean, if he has a really good season, and we talked about him earlier, Tyler Reddick. You know, Childress is looking for the money. If Rick Hendrick sees him as a serious talent, he could pay. I don't know what contract uh, Reddick's got, but uh, I imagine it's more than a single year. You know, Childress will be looking for the money, and he'd gladly take it, I'm sure. Because in all fairness, you know, Hendrick can't, you know, Childress aren't going to be in the championship winning position in the next few years. So, but Hendrick certainly are. And if the kid's as good as he's looking, and it's early in the season, and you want to have a shot, you know, with a young kid, I think he's, I can't think of many better. Yeah, uh, and Reddick was in the JRM stable. Yeah, uh, that was until... sponsorship, wasn't it? That was sponsorship why he left rather than performance, I think. Yeah, it, it was sponsor-related. Uh, 
although he did get sponsorship over at uh, Richard Childress Racing. Granted, he does have money that he doesn't necessarily need sponsorship, but at the same time, he doesn't typically try to use his uh, family's money either. No. No. So anyway, guys, we've got about three minutes left in the show, and we've got three races. All three series are in action next Ooh, week boy. to make picks for. So let's start with the first race we'll see, which will be the Australian Grand Prix. And Seth, who do you like for the win? Hamilton. And Richard? Verstappen. Hmm, the steering wheel comes up in the hands of Mercedes drivers. <laughs> They're trying to use their uh, braking system, old tire system. All right, so I'm going to go with Charles Leclerc then. So the next race we should see would be either St. Pete or Atlanta. I don't know what the start times are, so uh, let's say Atlanta Cup. Uh, and Richard, who do you like? Kozlowski. And Seth? Oh, no, 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 no. Sorry, I'm going to I'm Blaney, Blaney, Blaney. Okay. Uh, for me, uh, the hometown driver, Chase Elliott. Uh, and I'm going to go with Kyle Busch, saying that Toyota snaps their little streak of bad luck. Now, IndyCars in St. Pete. Seth, who do you like? Dixon. Okay. And Richard? Rusty. And I'm going to go with Simon Pagano. And that'll take us to the end of our show. So, uh, man, great week. This is the first weekend this year in 2020. We have all three major series racing the same weekend. I just don't know what I'm going to do with myself, um, trying to catch up with everything on, on DVR. But uh, I want to thank uh, you, Seth. I want to thank you, Richard. Uh, Gray, um, if you're listening in, I want to say I hope you feel better. Um, come back to us soon. I want to thank the Hoobazoo Radio Network. And I want to thank Spreaker and iHeartRadio and all you folks that listen in to us week in and week out. Till next week, enjoy the races. Good night. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.